0: This is the IVJ podcast for the week of March 27th, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I hope you've been enjoying March Madness and that your brackets aren't in complete ruins despite early exits by Purdue and IU. Our podcast this week is about a local company that isn't at all upset with all of the upsets this year. You might already be aware of Homefield, a maker of t shirts, sweatshirts, and other apparel for college sports fans. It was founded by recent Indiana University graduate Connor Hitchcock and his wife Krista. Now, it seems like college gear is everywhere, and that initially gave Connor pause when considering whether to take his Indiana focused firm national. But he and Krista landed on a formula to help Homefield stand out. Using premium materials, and creating unusual designs that draw on a school's vintage iconography, and then moving at the speed of the internet when a particular school hits big. So, for example, in the first few hours after Farley Dickinson beat Purdue in the first round of the men's tournament this year, Homefield was in touch with licensing officials for FDU, designing a series of shirts and notifying its followers on Twitter. It did the same thing last year when St. Peter's made a run at the tournament. Now, both schools are squarely in Home Field's comfort zone as small universities that don't necessarily have robust apparel programs. In this week's edition of the podcast, Connor and Krista explain how they have parlayed their success with small schools into agreements with bigger names. They also dig into how they landed on Home Field's winning strategy and how they've grown the firm to 40 employees in five years while maintaining a four-day work week and keeping the emphasis on their staff's quality of life. That includes all weekends off, even during the tournament. Here's our conversation. I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast, Connor and Krista Hitchcock, co-founders of Homefield. Thank you guys for making time today.
1: Yeah, appreciate you having us. Excited to be here.
2: Thank you.
0: So it is Thursday, March 23rd. Third round of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship starts at 6.30. Uh, we'll have four games tonight. What is the plan for monitoring the games tonight? Or is, is
1: most of your work really in the first round? You know, we do a lot of monitoring of college basketball and college sports in general with home field. And I would say primarily most of the work is laid for the first round. That's where the biggest upsets happen. Um, but there's still a ton that we do now. So we'll be watching all the games We're we're pretty active on social media, particularly Twitter, which is where people really interact about sports. So even if it's not about launching certain products for teams, we'll be making jokes or in on the (laughs) conversation about, you know, different teams or what's going on in these games. So we're watching myself, Krista, director of content, Whitney, people just watching for fun. We're, we're really locked in. So we do have a couple of products for teams if they make it to the semifinal. Uh, but other than that, tonight is just be more jokes and then maybe promoting some products we have already existing.
2: Thankfully, Connor's a huge basketball fan, so we would be watching regardless. Yeah, <laughs> so correct. it's not not too much work.
1: So
0: can you take me through an example of how Homefield operates during March Madness? And let's look at, at Farley Dickinson, uh, which uh, was, I think, the second 16 seed to ever beat a first round or a first, first seed team, uh, Purdue in this case. So were you watching the Purdue game as it was happening? Yes. Were you like rooting for Farley Dickinson because you knew that they that could potentially be a big
1: seller for you? So I will be honest. Yes. So on two fronts, one, we work with Purdue, lovely people, love working with them. Many people know I'm an Indiana University graduate. So on the personal level, you know, whenever your rival hits a snag in the road, it's fun sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> Purdue people feel the same way about our blowout loss to Miami, two losses to Miami, really this last week. But you know, we were we like to say we we prepare for things you can't prepare for for March Madness. So there's no way to prepare for a 16 seed beating a one seed. It would be foolish to make a collection every single time for that because it's happened now twice, well, three times actually, counting the um, Harvard women's team in the 90s but it's happened three times in the history of literally over two hundred sixteen-one 16-1 matchups, right? It'd be a waste of our time, but we need to be ready. So we clear our schedules for the inevitable upsets where this year, fairly Dickinson, the game ends at 9 p.m., I believe. Krista was actually at uh, Butler watching Les Mis. So she's the design... Great show. <laughs> <laughs> she's the design mind behind this entire company. And so... I mean, I can come up with concepts I can't execute on them. So Krista came home, I'm texting her like, oh my goodness, Purdue lost. We have to make Fairly Dickinson shirts. She's like, what's Fairly Dickinson? Uh, <laughs> um, everybody was asking. Oh yeah. What's Fairly Dickinson. And so from that point, you know, we watched the Indiana Miami or excuse me, Kent state game that evening. And Krista is already designing that night. I'm texting our licensing contacts. Well. I should say, Tom, our director of partnerships is I'm texting him. Who's then texting the Fairly Dickinson licensing contact at 10 PM on a, uh, Friday night saying like, Hey, we need to get this license to happen. Do we have verbal approval to be a Fairleigh Dickinson, Dickinson licensee? They say, yes, Krista is designing. We're texting them designs for Fairleigh Dickinson seem to approve. And so Krista put together six products and our team's scrambling. The next morning to launch it Saturday afternoon. So in the span of less than 24 hours, we go from never imagining having Fairleigh Dickinson on our website to a six-piece collection selling a ton of t-shirts. So that's a great example. We did the same thing last year with St. Peter's. Again, sorry, Purdue fans, but did the same thing with St. Peter's because they became even bigger national phenomenon as a 15 seed, a peacock mascot, um, beating not only Purdue, but also Murray State, and then Kentucky as well. So we are scrambling again, uh, preparing for what you can't really prepare for, creating that space to be able to react. So a lot of that happens in the first two rounds, to your point earlier, where you know that's where the bigger upsets happen in a 15 and 16 seed. It's unlikely they make it to the Elite Eight, where that's where we were spoiled last year when St. Peter's was, and we could sell St. Peter's gear for two and a half weeks and they had the entire country's attention.
2: Like Connor said, I was at Les Mis and intermission came around and you could just hear a whisper across the whole audience that Purdue had lost. And so I knew it was going to be a late night for me. Um, (laughs) But to Connor's point, yeah, just to kind of pull the curtain back. I mean, there's a few steps that go into making that happen. First and most important is just getting the license. So really, Tom, our director of partnerships, is the first line of defense there. And then After we're licensed for a school, every single design also has to get approved by the school. So there's, you know, really a domino effect that happens. So I was scrambling to design, but also trying to keep in mind, you know, how lenient the school is going to be with their marks and what would get approved. So thankfully, we pulled it off by Saturday morning. So
0: Did you have any relationship with Fairleigh Dickinson before that?
2: No, but we have worked with their rep before.
1: Gotcha. So, Mm -hmm. So yeah, CLC, the collegiate licensing company. They'll have agents who are effectively the go between, between brands and the schools. And so Peyton over at CLC, we've worked with him plenty of times. He was actually, he's also the St. Peter's rep. So that actually worked out well. <laughs> so he's already used to yeah. us texting him at all hours of the night. Um, so that worked out. That's well. incredible. So yeah, when the Fairleigh Dickinson wins, it's not like you have to
0: track down somebody in the administration, you know, you're not going through like their staff page, trying to figure out who's the guy. Or who's the person who uh, is in charge of this kind of thing they have
1: representatives correct yeah and there's a one fairly large one you said CLC CLC is the 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 major one now some schools are independent and so that makes it much harder because you'll go and you'll you know Google XYZ school licensing and they'll say fill out this form and we'll get back to you but fortunately for us they were a CLC school we work with CLC all the time over 100 CLC schools we work with so We know, and Tom actually used to work at CLC, funny enough, who works for us now. So we knew exactly who to to reach out to and they made it happen. And Krista, you are researching,
0: uh, I mean, the potential like images that you can use or the logos or, you know, whatever kind of intellectual property they developed over, I mean, some cases, hundreds of years. And how how do you decide, you know, what what the cool stuff is?
2: Yeah. Um, So the cool stuff is usually pretty obvious or we have people online, you know, tweeting or emailing or saying, you know, these are the marks we want to see. Um, That said, the school actually provides an art sheet to you, and sometimes they'll have a vintage or a vault program where they offer two art sheets, one with their standard modern logos and one with their vintage logos. Where we've really kind of carved our own um, niche in the industry is going beyond those provided art sheets and doing our own research through yearbooks and game programs and game schedules and Kind of presenting those to the university and asking for permission to use them. So that's been an uphill battle over the years. Thankfully, you know, we've kind of made a name for ourselves and it's gotten a little bit easier. But anytime we're working with a new school like Fairleigh Dickinson, we're having to prove that all over again and, you know, trying to earn their trust to use those marks. So we had a few things get turned down, um, had to make a few pivots, but we're able to. Pull something together, so.
0: And I, I would guess, I mean, if you're going off the sheet, that takes more time.
2: Yes. Yep. Yeah, usually, we have to vectorize those logos because we're just seeing them, you know, on an old pennant or in a photo. So, yeah, definitely more more time consuming.
0: Was there something super fun that you found in the Fairleigh Dickinson uh, vault? <laughs>
2: Um, they have like a chess piece logo that was just discontinued a couple of years ago. So it's actually not that old. Sometimes the problem is that it's actually too recent and they're trying to rebrand and move away from it. So that was one that, um, they didn't want us using that there was some demand for. So that was unfortunate, but I understand that decision as well. So,
0: so on Saturday morning, so you have pretty much everything that you need to start producing apparel.
2: Yeah. Yep. We just pulled together mock-ups so that's how we can move quickly to get a product listing up. And then yeah, from there it's really in marketing's hands to just get it in front of people.
1: Yeah. So in this instance, I believe Chris and I went to bed at 2:30 in the morning, now Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning. Woke up at seven and started to, you know, make the listing. Members of our team are helping create all the necessary listings on the back end and really grateful for them for scrambling, because I mean, it was obviously Saturday to do so. And then we just waited on final thumbs up from the school. So we had these designs ready. We knew the concept was approved, but we needed the final design to be approved. And so I was able to get on the phone with someone from Fairleigh Dickinson athletics around 1 PM and they gave us the, the green light to launch it. So, you know. Similar to last year, the St. Peter's collection was up 10 a.m. the next morning after they beat Murray State. This was 1 p.m. the next day. So, you know, three hours slower, but still pretty <laughs> pretty, pretty quick pretty to, to move on the moment, right? And and then the
0: marketing team just jumps in. I'm, I'm guessing they're all over social media. They're finding all, all social. The, the applicable
1: hashtags or something like, hey, we've got this. We've got this. We got this. Well, it was funny. So the night before on Friday, we... An hour after the game ended, or excuse me, not even an hour. I'd have to look at the timestamp, but I got a text from Tom, our partnerships director, right after the game ended. And he said, I already secured the license. So then we tweeted from our account, Homefield has reached a licensing agreement with Fairleigh Dickinson University that night. And it went crazy. Um, Something like, I think had had over a million impressions or thousands and thousands of likes. And, you know, that's part of it is... We positioned the brand as being part of the sports community, college sports community ecosystem. And so that's obviously on top of everybody's mind is this huge upset. And so, yeah, we, you know, it was on social, we had, you know, email, SMS, all that ready to go Saturday. And then I would assume then you have like thousands of people who are like, oh, I need to follow this company. And then so the, now they're attuned to what you do in the future. And, and you know, it's not like there's some massive fairly Dickinson fan base that was waiting for this, right? I mean, it's a smaller school, uh, similar to St. Peter's, but it's more so, you know, on a national level, it's it's great branding and cementing ourselves as like, you know, we are the college apparel. We're the, we call ourselves thoughtful collegiate apparel. So it's not just vintage. It's what matters to your school, what's mattering right now. It's thoughtful, right? And so that that moment is is indicative of that.
0: And then are you getting like individual orders? Mm-hmm. You know, Bob and Topeka, who went to Farley Dickinson, he's putting in an individual order. Sure. Are you making any big orders for the school
1: itself so they could sell it on, you know, whatever platforms they have?
0: Yes. So
1: their bookstore is operated by Follett, who operates a ton of bookstores across the United States. And so the Fallout team emailed us Saturday when it went live and said, "Hey, we want to get these on campus. Can we order some?" So they ordered a few hundred shirts that we we overnighted to Fairleigh Dickinson, so that they arrived yesterday, I believe, on campus already to start selling the bookstore. So we moved pretty quickly on that. So yeah, but most of it is to your point, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson grads or people who just think. It was a fun shirt or a fun IU upset. fans. IU fans. <laughs> uh, last year, one of my favorite stats uh, that I just thought was funny for the St. Peter's launch was that our top two states that purchase, top three states that purchased St. Peter's gear were New Jersey number one, of course, where the school is. Number two was the state of Indiana. And number three was the state of Kentucky because oh, the Louisville, the Louisville fans that. buying it uh, to rub it in Kentucky fans' faces. So sports spite. are hate wearing shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> term for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, spite motivates a lot of yeah. folks' actions at times, but it's all fun and fun natured. I mean, people buying it for family members and all that good stuff. When did the first shirt go out the door on that Saturday? Yeah. So we weren't in producing over the weekend. Oh, so um, you weren't? We weren't. No, so you didn't bring everybody in on the weekend. No, no, no. We want to make sure that's the thing with you know, we value our team's rest and ability to um, have a weekend. And so, you know, well, some folks did jump in and help creating the listing. When shirts didn't start going out until Monday, when everybody came in,
0: that's amazing. If somebody bet me a thousand dollars that you guys in the the really the most important sporting event in the nation, I mean, out of the year, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, the one that potentially touches the most people. Does, certainly. That you, that, that would, even on that weekend, you wouldn't
1: have people come in. Thanks. It's, um you know, you probably saw walking in, we have pretty blank walls here, but one of the things that lines our walls are our core values and core values can be corny or they can be trite at times, but we actually mean them. And one of them is perspective. And the tagline is, you know, you matter more than t-shirts. You know, there's another one that says we make t-shirts we're not saving the world right and so we really hope we live up to that with our team and you know you matter more than t-shirts like take a weekend right like even though this is such a big event your rest and ability to spend time with your kids or loved ones matters more than just trying to get t-shirts out the door quicker
2: we've actually implemented a shortened work week as well to help promote that work-life balance so
0: oh my gosh oh, a four-day work week? Yes. Is as a stagger? Like some people would
1: go like Monday, Thursday, some would be Tuesday, Friday or. All Monday, Thursday. So we can't force orders to come in quicker, right? We can't make seven days of orders happen in four days. So what we'll do with our warehouse team is we pay for 40 hours, but for 33 work, if that makes sense. So we spread it out over four and a half days, because again, we can't make orders come sooner. So it's tougher there and in different roles, but yes, we, we aim that it's not four tens on the office side. It's just four days, you know, just, we really believe in focused work and we've seen, you know, we're coming up on the year anniversary of it. We've seen people have three days off and they're more relaxed and rested and happier in their personal life. And they come in and they're able to do their job and we're just focused, you know, we'll, we'll block out every day, two hours, Monday to Thursday from 1 PM to 3 PM. We call it deep work. No one's allowed to slack each other, send emails, go interrupt someone, schedule meetings. None of it just to allow for that focus time because we'd rather spend less time here doing the same amount of work than five days of it all. So, Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor.
0: This is the IBJ podcast. Taft. Today's Modern Law Firm, with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the Modern Law Firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right. We're back with this week's edition of the IBJ podcast and our conversation with Connor and Krista Hitchcock, co-founders of Homefield. So then on that Monday, I mean, you've got the fairly Dickinson stuff, but I mean, there's several, I mean, big upsets over the oh, weekend. Yeah.
1: I mean, what are some of the other ones that you had to track as well? Furman. So we have a Furman collection already. They won their round of 64 game. On over Virginia in incredible fashion, and then they ended up losing the round of thirty-two game. But still, I mean, over the weekend, people have purchased a ton, of, ton of these shirts. We have one shirt; it's there. Um, it's a chant they've done forever. The student section of the school let us make the shirt, but Furman is FU, and the chant is FU all the time. Is the chant? And so our FU all the time shirt was our best-selling shirt over the weekend outside of Fairleigh Dickinson. So we had a lot of those coming off the press on Monday.
2: We did also have shirts prepared for Creighton, Xavier, and Marquette. So Marquette lost, but we were able to launch a few for Creighton and Xavier. Mm -hmm. So there's, for schools we already had the license for, we were able to do some prep work ahead of time. Obviously, a fairly Dickinson is, you know, something Mm. that's happening in real time, but...
0: How many schools do you have agreements with right now? licensing agreements?
2: hundred and twenty plus, at least. One hundred fifty. One hundred fifty.
0: So I would assume a lot of like the usual suspects in the tournament. So you're mm-hmm. you're set for those guys. So if they go on a run, I mean, there, there isn't a panic. You know, trying to make sure you've got the right people on the right designs. There's a out. panic
2: to make the right designs, but not to get the license. Mm-hmm. I would so you say. you can be
0: making <laughs> a fresh design for. I mean, let's let's say it was Harvard. You guys have Harvard. Yeah. Yep. But just based on whatever happened this year, you could Absolutely. just make totally new designs.
2: Yes. Wow. So, And you
0: still need to get those approved.
2: Yes. So for example, right now, we're actually working on our templates for the national championship. So we obviously don't know what schools that will be yet, but we're trying to work ahead as much as we can, knowing that we're going to need to turn around new designs really quickly. So um, we're kind of using placeholders to come up with a design and then we'll have to turn around and get that not only approved by the school but also approved by i think it's the ncaa lots of lots of hoops to jump through before a design makes it out the door but yeah it's it's not uncommon for us to be turning something around that quickly
0: can you say about how many the pieces of
1: fairly dickinson apparel you've sold in the last week it's in it's four digits worth in terms of the units i don't know i haven't pulled a report here recently but it's over a thousand items is this really the the hottest time of year for you guys as it worked out that way there are three big times a year for us this one of them certainly the first couple weekends of football are huge because then you're also on the tail end of back to school and then holiday is massive because holiday i mean i used to do this before home field it's like i don't know what to get my dad well he likes iu so i'm gonna get him some iu something yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really good gift. And so, and it's also when college acceptances also start rolling in too. So a lot of people buy it for, for that, for Christmas or just the holidays. And so,
0: yeah, retail over the holidays yeah. is massive. Can you give me a sense of uh, how the, how the money works? So you, if you make a, a, a t-shirt and you sell the t-shirts for how much? $34. 34. Mm-hmm. So some of it goes to you, some of it goes to the school.
1: Like how does that break down? Or does it, does it matter from, or differ from school to school? It does differ from school to school. So we pay a royalty on everything we sell for using the insignia, the logos and differs per school. The rates have climbed significantly in the past decade. Some schools it's up to 26% of every sale back to them, which is getting to a point where somebody sees a $34 t-shirt or a $72 hoodie and wonders why one it's very comfortable. But beyond that, (laughs) (laughs) your your merchandise specific. Yes, (laughs) yes. And great and great design, of course. But in the instances where a quarter of that goes to the school, it's very difficult to to break even. So, yeah, it's uh, a good amount goes back to school again, differs from school to school, um, but it's anywhere from a baseline of 12 percent up to. 25
2: it can differ based on the design as well the vintage marks tend to have a higher royalty rate than the standard marks oh why is that exclusivity just making it a little harder to get in the door and Mm
1: -hmm. it's hard to become licensed for these schools and then even harder to get into their vintage programs and so in a lot of ways you know you're you're paying for that exclusivity um and, and once you're in it's nice i mean you have some protection certainly yeah, right. I think
2: they don't want oversaturation of their old marks to be confusing with the new mark. So I think a higher royalty rate is probably one way to achieve that
0: goal. Cool. Okay. So let's go back in time. The origin story <laughs> of, of Home Field, which, which really, I guess, is the origin story of uh, the Indiana merchandise business that you had when you attended IU, uh, Hoosier Proud. So quickly,
1: what was Hoosier Proud? Hoosier Proud was a side project when I was in school at Indiana. Krista, who I was then dating at the time, was at school at Miami Ohio. And so I had, at first, mocked up a couple stickers of the state of Indiana and started selling them to local shops in Bloomington. I thought they were cool. People put them on water bottles, stickers, you know, on the water bottles or on laptops. Um, and it got to the point where 30 or so stores in the state, outdoor outfitters, you know, state museum gift shop, those type of places were carrying these stickers. And then I remember one day, you know, somebody asked like, hey, do you make t-shirts? And I lied and said, yeah, of course we do. And so I didn't know how to, I'm, I don't have a design background. And so I asked Krista, who does have a design background to help mock up some shirts, you know, just state of Indiana themed or Indianapolis themed. And so these 30 stores, while I was a college kid, started carrying Who's mm-hmm. Your Proud? And it was going well. Um, it's fun little side business. I really used anything I really made was just more gas money to go visit Krista in Oxford, <laughs> Ohio. So yeah, was doing that for a couple of years. That started in twenty fourteen. And then in twenty fifteen, I'm a huge IU sports fan. Um IU football even, too, I love, which is does not love me back very well. Yes, yeah, God bless you. Yeah, <laughs> I love IU football, though. And so in 2015, they went and played in the Pinstripe Bowl against Duke. And so we were 6-6. Six and six, um, Game went in double overtime. Lineup for field goal to send a triple overtime. It looks like it's good. It's called no good. Indiana Twitter, of which I was an active um I wouldn't say participant. I would just, you know, I was consuming a lot of content, wasn't producing any content. There's a big kind of tongue in cheek joke. Everybody was kind of pretending like they were really upset, but maybe they were upset about the end of this game. Cause again, it's the Pinstripe Bowl. Everybody kept screaming in all caps. The kick was good all off season. And so at this point, that was a 2015 Pinstripe Bowl. I moved to Indy in 2016 and start working at a company called OneClick. Uh, the digital marketing side there. And going yeah, and
0: that was a retailing firm as well. It's yes, the, yeah. Like
1: prescription and, and just stylish glasses. Glasses, yes. Out. So the biggest the biggest brand OneClick owned, owned OneClick was acquired in 2018, actually. But um, the biggest brand OneClick owned was Readers.com. And so selling a lot of reading glasses back in the day. But going into the 2016 football season, I mocked up a shirt for Who's Your Proud, this side project that was crimson and it just was horrible. Again, I'm not a designer. It just said the kick was good, but a ton of these shirts sold on a website I had put together in a matter of hours. And so it opened my eyes to maybe that uh, college sports had a bigger market than a state of Indiana tourism themed apparel. So, <laughs> and you know, and it was just something I was doing on the side out of a Broad Ripple condo basement. So, From there, I was able to take the success of that and go to IU and say, hey, would you license us to make IU apparel? I think, you know, we have an interesting concept, not only with the vintage design, but hitting this market online, these sports fans that I don't think anybody's really understanding or or reaching out to on social media. They said yes, which is crazy to think about at the time. And then so did Purdue from there, Ball State, Indiana State, just again, under this Hoosier Proud umbrella. in 2017. We get married. Krista moves to Indianapolis and she's designing this stuff while I'm marketing a side project. And it does well enough that I remember a coffee I had with Randy, co founder and CEO at the time of One Click. And he asked if I would ever do Homefield, well, what became Homefield full time, uh, vintage college apparel full time. Yeah. At first I said no, because I thought the market was just too saturated and crowded, but the more we looked into it, Chris and I looked into it, the more we realized that we could absolutely do this. And so in 2018, we raised some money from local angel investors. I mean, not even $200,000, which I mean, $200,000 is a lot of money, but when you're starting a company, it's not. And the two of us left our jobs and pursued home field full-time with eight school licenses all in the state of Indiana. Um, just the two of us out of our house in Broderpool.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you had asked me at that time, you know, would I be interested in investing <laughs> in a company that does that? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, that's crazy. I can get yeah. I can get shirts at Kroger. Right. I mean, you can get athletic shirts, you know, branded, uh, you know, to whatever colleges are around anywhere. All I got to do is got to go online. So what was the thing that you thought you could do better?
2: I think it's threefold. I think partially the design and really fighting for those vintage logos that just aren't, you know, in the marketplace as much. Um, I think secondly, the quality of the garment, um, really focused on soft, comfortable, well-made apparel. And then lastly is you know, really Connor's genius in the marketing f- side of things, just the brand voice and the activity on Twitter and really creating a community and connecting with people and. I think that is a huge part of the story that really propelled us from the beginning.
0: Right. So if, if I wanted to get college apparel from my college, the first thing I would think of is okay, I need to go to their online bookstore. So and what I gather that you were doing is you're really you're meeting the fans where they are. I mean, you are in the middle of the conversations about the various teams. Um, and that you're alerting them, you know, when they're probably at their most passionate, they're like, hey, we have. Merchandise here. We have apparel, you know, that's really cool. You know, and it's in a way, it's almost like an impulse buy for some people. They're like,
1: "Yeah, I do want that shirt. Let's do it." Certainly, impulse (laughs) buy. Certainly, some of just tapping into this ethos of college sports that people love. You know, I realized, and both of us realized in 2018 when we were about to do this, there was no collegiate apparel brand. There were. Collegiate apparel brands that sell at the bookstore, but you couldn't name them if I asked you them. You could find places that sold collegiate apparel, but there was no collegiate apparel brand. And that was really difficult to get across to these licensing directors at first because they say, no, we have XYZ brand that's a nine figure in revenue and they're all over the bookstore. And it's like, well, exactly. Nobody knows where to go to buy that brand. In fact, that brand didn't even have their own website until 2020 by being forced to because of the pandemic. And so Yeah, to your point, we're meeting fans where they were on social media, certainly. Also just meeting fans in the way, you know, they wanted a brand to buy from, not just a place, but a brand. And so, you know, if you're buying a home field XYZ shirt, it's going to mean this. It's going to have incredible design and research that Krista and her team do. And that we're also going to understand your inside jokes on Twitter. That was important to me.
2: Sure, <laughs> there was a, absolutely. Certainly a hole in the market for e-commerce. It was just such a physical industry with bookstores. And so yeah, in addition to the brand piece, just e commerce alone was a significant differentiator at the time.
0: So you had the angel investors that came in yes. with the with the stat seed money. Mm-hmm. But, um but you guys also are you the majority owners or yes, we
1: are the majority. Okay. Owners. But you do have a lot of investors mm-hmm. through the We have a pretty clean cap table for the most part. It's not Extensively long, but yes, we ended up from that same group raising more money in 2021, and then it recently um, raised a little bit more again from that group plus um, some new investors from the IU Angel Network, which is great. Um, so we've kept it pretty local here, and um, you know we haven't raised a ton of money, um, even though we've gone back to the well a couple of times here. To the, your point, Chris and I still own the majority of the company, which has been great and that it allows us to, you know, we felt like last year we should slow down a bit. The year prior, we grew 3X year over year. Last year, we grew only quote 40% year over year, right? But we felt it was the right thing for the brand and we didn't feel a massive external pressure to have to meet these crazy high growth demands and sacrifice what we think is quality in the brand to that. So our our investor group is great they understand brand they understand college sports they've been incredibly supportive and have real challenged us in key areas that's been great but yes we do own the majority still i remember reading in the athletic i think it was in 2019 you guys had
0: kind of reached like a i don't know if you call them a pivot point
1: What's, What what were you nadir about? nadir no, nadir
0: that's right explain just quickly what that was and then how you had to
1: uh, deal with it mm-hmm. it's really difficult to make a brand happen or a even quote a thing happen right uh, you can put a cool shirt online but is it a thing you know is it something that people are buying into is it i I taught a class this last semester in bloomington and we have this huge brand resonance within the iu community five of my 30 kids knew homefield before i started teaching that class so there's still so much to go right it's it's really hard to establish yourself and so You know, we didn't, to my point earlier, we didn't raise much money and it just was tough getting off the ground as a brand. It was tough getting licenses. You know, we had two big 10 licenses for the first two years of this brand. And so we were just burning through the little money we had quickly and we weren't growing fast enough. And so we reached that point, the point you're referencing in July of 2019, Chris and I walked over to Half Leader, our favorite place to go get beer and barbecue and, and had a conversation of where do we go from here? Because there's hundred bucks in the bank account and we weren't paying ourselves, right? And so that was an idea. And I mean, I know where you felt like we pivoted from there. I have my thoughts, but I'd be curious to hear yours too.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the pandemic wasn't too much later. Um, that ended up being a huge piece of our story as well with when college sports went away. Uh, Connor had the great idea to kind of fill that void with a concept called Big New Saturday. And that really ended up being a huge turning point for the brand and kind of kind of a rocket ship that took us to where we are now. So really, the whole idea was there's this void on Saturdays. There's no college football. How can we fill that? And so we had some new licenses. We wanted to launch small schools. Um, but we decided instead of dropping them all at once to build some hype around this drop on Saturday. and. Um, it's kind of a play on Fox's big, big noon Saturday. Um, so that really kind of got some momentum online. There was people following it, you know.
1: They treated our product launches like a sporting event every Saturday at uh-huh. noon Eastern. And so they would, we'd say Sunday night, hey, Hawaii's coming this week. And people get really excited all week. And then Saturday at noon Eastern, we drop the collection. And people go nuts over it. Uh, okay. And we repeated that every week. So there's no football going on at the time. Right. What people have is... Our product, our product. <laughs> And so it was funny though, you know, we started with Tulane and Hawaii. And then we some Power 5 schools were like, yeah, we got nothing going on. Why not? So Michigan State, they gave us a license. And so we dropped a Michigan State collection. Yukon, Syracuse, and started to gain traction and traction. Then we're at the end of this thing. It lasts from July, 2020 to November of 2020, because we have Michigan and Alabama calling us and like, Hey, we want to be a part of this now. Um, and so that was the huge turning point uh, to the point of the, you know, July, 2019, when we have that conversation, we laid the groundwork for that to happen. So we started to really unleash the voice on the Twitter account and acted like we're just a fan that's talking about Indiana football online, which kind of are, uh, and connected with people that way. So, you know, when you go to like seminars about social media, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, there's no mystery. they're always like, make it personal, right? You make it authentic, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. And corporations screw it up. They always screw. I I mean, it's very difficult to find that voice and make it work. And What it sounds like is that you're
1: basically using your voice. That's Connor. Mm. And now by extension, we've tried really hard to distance the brand from myself because this is a really, I mean, you see there's 40 people here and I, I don't want it to seem like it's just, me. I don't think that's fair to what this team does. Uh, but now I don't even run social media anymore. Whitney, our director of content, she runs Twitter and she does a phenomenal job replicating that voice and honestly broadening that voice too. And so I'll jump in every once in a while. I think it's obvious to some folks when I do, because it's very heavy on the Indiana Todd, <laughs> but that's always a part of who we're going to be, right? IU's always going to be our biggest school, but at the same time, we love all the other schools. I mean, we genuinely love the Purdue fans we've met online and we work with together and have a great time making fun Purdue peak year. So yeah, it, you know, it it probably helps that it is from the top, and there's not pressure to to you know be risk averse with it, right? And that's the reason why corporations don't do it. There's so much risk to being quote authentic, or you know, you don't have to run it up the flagpole to eight different people and get legal to look at a tweet, right? So now that we're gonna say anything that's um, incriminating legally online, but at the same time, we recognize we talk about college sports, we we have a surfing anteater on a t-shirt, right? What we do is so inconsequential in the world and yet so much fun. And so that's why we have fun with it because we make really fun stuff. It's funny t-shirts, right? So we're going to we're going to treat it that way. And we're not going to act serious about making a surfing anteater. So,
0: well, I know you guys are busy, so I will let you guys get back to work. But thank you so much for letting me know about all this. Yeah, appreciate you stopping yeah. by. My thanks again to Connor and Krista Hitchcock. If you want to learn more about Homefield, reporter Dave Lindquist has a story on the company's growth in the latest issue of IBJ. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few other stories in the latest paper I want to draw to your attention. First up, Susan Orr reports that the failures of both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank earlier this month have venture investors and startups in Indiana and elsewhere rethinking how and where they bank and that's creating a business opportunity for other financial institutions. Also in this week's issue, Dave Lindquist explains how a Zionsville musician turned his passion for making sausage into the fast-growing meat supplier Old Major Market. And John Russell examines how Bio Crossroads, the organization that promotes Indiana's life sciences industry, is rethinking its mission after 20 years. Now, you can find all these stories In the latest print edition of IBJ or online at IBJ.com. I will say it is easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. And you may not know that we have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories, columns, and podcasts from our sister publication inside Indiana business. And that works out to about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You won't find Indiana's story told with this kind of breadth and depth anywhere else. Just go to IBJ.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.